Welcome to Focused on Forward. The purpose of this podcast is to focus on recovery from life situations, be it a disease, chronic or acute, perhaps the loss of someone so dear to you in death, or a change of life patterns that has affected you so profoundly that you have no choice but to find your new normal and become focused on moving forward. Each episode is designed to show the positivity that people bring to each and every one of their stories, the successes they've had, ways that they have become so definitively focused on moving forward. We look forward to sharing their stories, and we hope that they inspire you just as much as they have inspired us. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Focused on Forward. We're in our third season here on this show, and we've had many opportunities to share with you each and every week stories of overcoming, stories of people meeting their challenges head on, whether it was something they knew was coming or something that life had thrown at them. And in each one of those stories, we've been just amazed by the human spirit, by the willingness and wantingness of moving forward with life. We've had stories of addiction and sobriety. We've had stories of loss. We've had stories of illness and overcoming. We've had stories of mental instabilities and mental struggles and emotional and mental health that have really uh, spoke to me and and with my own struggles in life. We've had uh, people come on who have special needs children and what they're doing to help out their children and all these different things. But throughout the entirety of this show, what I've hoped has happened, and I've said this many times throughout the episodes, is that if at least one episode helped one person that that day, then we've done our job here. And so with season three here, I knew going into it that this would be my final season. I knew that this would be the closure to a line of stories that has given me a lot to look forward to over the years. And so when we started this, we started by me sitting down and talking to you, my listeners, for about 20 some odd minutes about the story of my daughter, Kendall. We talked about the challenges that we went through with not only the discovery of her uh, diagnosis of Guillain-Barre syndrome, but then also uh, the hospitalization, how that affected me, how it affected my wife. And for the last three years, we've talked about how that has come up to play at other different times when talking with other guests on the show and what they've gone through and, and being able to relate to some of those things because of the experiences that my daughter's gone through. Or as a father, as a parent, uh, looking on and, and watching your child go through these things. And then, of course, we talk a lot about mental health and, and how that affected us mentally, emotionally, even spiritually at times. And so it's been amazing over the last three years to be able to share those experiences with my guests. It's been amazing to be able to share those experiences with my listeners. And so if you remember that first episode, I wanted to make sure that you knew our story before I brought anybody else in, before I sat down with anybody else and had any type of discussion I wanted it to be clear that I wasn't just here to to talk, but that I was here because I wanted to help and I wanted people to understand that I had a story myself and things that needed to be to be shared. Well, three years later, here we are at the conclusion. 
For three years, you guys have listened, and you've listened to our the stories of all my amazing guests. But I have one more amazing guest for you today, and that's my daughter, Kendall. Kendall's going to come on in just a couple moments, and we're going to talk with her about her feelings of the experience that she's had over the last couple years, her views of everything that's happened and how she is choosing to move forward because she is part of the reason that the title of this show is called Focused on Forward. So three years ago, when this all came to be, Kendall was 12 years old. She was in the hospital and we needed a way to kind of express our own issues and things along those lines. We had just recently got out of the hospital. In fact, when I began focused on forward. Now Kendall is 15 years old. She is a high school freshman and we are trying to live our best version of a normal life that we can despite the fact that she does have a chronic illness. Guillain-Barre is something that will affect her for the rest of her life. And so we try our best to make that as a normalization of of a teenage experience as we can, Uh, but we're going to talk about that. So Kendall... Welcome to Focused on Forward, my dear. Hi. So Kendall's a little nervous. She's never been on a recorded episode before, but we're uh, we're going to take this seriously, right? Yeah, sure. Uh huh. Okay, that's what I expected. <laughs> so uh, the problem here is that Kendall is, out of all my children, probably the one with a personality most like <laughs> mine and an aversion to taking things seriously. But so let's talk about it. Three years later. Let's talk about it. Three years later, how do you view your battle with Guillain-Barre syndrome? Um, I think it's kind of gotten to the point where it's basically just a part of my everyday life. So it's kind of, I always like react really weirdly when I, someone responds differently than I expect them to when I make like a joke or a comment about it and they get all like, oh, I'm so sorry. Because I kind of am just to the point where it's part, it's as much of my life as eating or drinking is. So if I want to like make jokes about it I kind of expect people to be as okay with it as I am but then it, some people are just like <gasps> and I'm like oh no it, yeah the whole thing okay well unfortunately you have your father's dark humor so that's probably not going to be helping you very no. much in that in that instance I blame you. well you can blame me that's fine all right so how though uh, or what though is your biggest challenge with accepting where you're at Wanting to be able to go do stuff like a normal teenager, like go see friends, go to a movie, go to like a trip with and be able to do stuff every single day. But it's kind of like if I do something one day, I can't do anything the next day because I'll be in pain and tired and just in bed all day. So it's kind of hard for me to get over that because I want to be able to go do that stuff and be completely like normal in that way. But you, you can't. Okay. So learning to accept limitations has mm-hmm. been difficult. Okay. What is something that helps you to accept your limitations? Making friends who, okay, this sounds kind of bad, but like making friends who also have disabilities is really helpful because like when uh, I have to go take pain meds after if we're going shopping and I have to stop to take pain meds and they also have to stop to do something, it makes me feel less like I'm the only person in the world who is dealing with that, which even though I know it's not true, it can sometimes feel like that. Okay. So an, a normalization of feelings mm-hmm. so that, yeah, so that you're not alone. Okay. Um, what is, 
what is something in the everyday life of somebody with Guillain-Barre that many people don't understand? Uh, brain fog, definitely. Um, it's kind of like when your brain, you can see everything clearly, and there's nothing technically wrong, but it's like your brain has put a fog through all of your thoughts so you can kind of think on things, but you can't really grasp on to what you're trying to do, and you just... Like on days on days like that, I'll be staring at a school at schoolwork or a book or TV for hours without being able to really process anything that I'm looking at. Okay, how does how do you combat brain fog? Caffeine. <laughs> okay. And um, sometimes there's just nothing you can do. You just have to kind of deal with it, like accept that that's what's happening, and then put your brain on quiet mode so you just do something that doesn't require much effort or focus until your brain starts to like click back on okay so kind of redirect it if possible okay so i know that one of the things that you because clearly uh you and i talk a lot uh, not just not just on the lovely recording of focused on forward but we've talked a lot about how kids at school see you mm-hmm. what are some of the biggest challenges with people inside of your own peer group and how they view you as someone who has a chronic illness it's really hard for a lot of people to understand because they weren't there so they'll see me people who like don't know me at all will see me one day using a wheelchair because i am so tired and fatigued that i can't walk the long distances between classes and then the next day i'll feel a lot better so i'll be walking and just like smiling and people will be really confused and just assume that it means that i'm faking but it's really hard for me to deal with it sometimes because I, as has, as, bleh, as has been mentioned, I'm a lot like you. So when I hear a comment in the hallway and I'm like ro- rolling through on my wheelchair and someone like yells like, I've seen you walk. And I'm just like b- breathing heavily and just trying not to be really mean. But there have been multiple times I've just been like, congratulations, you have eyes. I, I don't know what you want me to say to that. Okay, fair enough. So... For those who come up and because there's always going to be people who have questions and mm-hmm. who don't understand because it's not something like you said, they weren't there. They don't mm-hmm. they've never had to experience it when the people who come up to you and have genuine questions about your condition and what you've experienced or maybe even some of the specific experiences that you went through at the hospital. How do you address that? How do you handle that? I actually really don't mind that at all. I mean, everybody with disabilities has differing level of like differing levels of being comfortable with that kind of thing. But I'm personally completely okay with answering questions about my disability or my life. If people come up to me and like politely ask me questions instead of coming up and accuse me of something, or a lot of people would go out of their way to avoid talking to me about it. They would go to people I barely knew and be like, what's up with her? And uh, But if someone comes up to me and genuinely politely asks me a question, I will answer it as long as I'm comfortable with it. But I also do expect people to not push if I'm not comfortable with it. Okay. So what's the most common question that someone asks you? Why are you in a wheelchair if you walked yesterday? Or why are you walking today if you were in a wheelchair yesterday? Okay. So how do you explain that to the people who have an honest and legitimate question? Now, there's there's always those who are going to make the snarky comments and mm-hmm. those who are, are going to make the, the, the half-brained assumptions of who and what you are. Mm-hmm. But for the the other students, the other human beings that come up to you and have a legitimate question, like, hey, I saw you in 
you seem to be fine yesterday, but what, what's going on? Why are you in a wheelchair today? How mm-hmm. do you handle that? What do you say to them? I usually just say something along the lines of, I can walk and I can do a lot of I can't like I can take physical activity, just not for long periods of time or long distances. So if and I also explain the fatigue of if I do a lot today, tomorrow, my brain, my brain and my muscles and everything will just shut down and not want to do anything. Okay. All right. Outside of uh, limitations for for school or brain fog. What has been one of the other challenges that you've had to face when it came when it comes to Guillain-Barre and ex- and dealing with Guillain-Barre? Um, the impact on mental health is really hard because I have was always a really bright, cheery kid. I smiled a lot. I was very active. I liked to run and swim and do things. So it was really hard for me to come back and be out of the hospital and not be able to do like those things anymore. At least not in the not to the same level. Yeah, not to the same level that I was before. It kind of made me shut down because I was, I've used that phrase a lot, but it would make me kind of close in on myself and just want to wallow in my own misery. And it can take a really long time and a lot of effort to get out of that place. Okay. So what did you do or how did you combat those feelings? Uh, You have to find things that you can do. Like you have to find your new normal, which is a very overused phrase, but it is true. It's you have. So if I couldn't go uh, skateboarding or swimming as much as I used to, I would try to schedule like days when I knew I would be able to, to, or I would find new hobbies that I could do. If I couldn't leave the house that day, I would find like something creative I could do or a book that I really liked or a new show to watch. And you just have to find things that can give you joy in the way that the other things used to. Because if you just kind of stop and think this is the only thing that will make me happy, you're limiting yourself and it kind of stops you from being what you could be. Okay. So what are some of the things that you use to fill those voids? What are You said said that there's creative things. So what Mm -hmm. creative things did you do to help fill those things? Uh, a lot of drawing and like I learned how to I would watch like YouTube videos on how to do like anatomy or just doodles or I, w- I filled up like four different sketchbooks over the last two years um, or I would I was really into like decorating my room and making it very me or uh, fashion finding cool ways to express myself even if I couldn't express myself in the ways that I could before so I would do that kind of stuff, and it was just very helpful to give my mind kind of an outlet. Okay. Um, now, you started answering this <laughs> in another way. You said one word, uh, and then I asked the question, and, and then you didn't carry on with that word. What was that word? You want to guess? You want to guess? I already know what it is. Books! That's right. Books. All right. So, um, other than being on a first-name basis with every librarian in a 50-mile <laughs> radius, uh, what is the what is it about books that has helped you over the last couple years? Well, when you're stuck in a spot, when you're in your bed and you can't get out because your legs are hurting so bad or you are to the point where you can't you can't leave the house because your brain is shut down, it's really helpful for me at least to find another world. Like there in books there are so many other different universes and people and characters and that you can relate to. And, you know, it's like a judgment-free zone because they're not real. But um, it's like you can put your 
all of yourself into this thing and then when you are ready you can stop like you can just take a break and no one is there to be like why aren't you doing the thing or why are you doing the thing and it's just a whole like a safe space okay so when i say that you like books what's your record for books in a month kendall (laughs) 27 was now uh, is that the one that you're currently trying to break? Yeah, I got to 26 le- um, last month, or this month. I, it's the first, right? Nope. Yeah, it is May 1st. So okay, yeah. so yeah, I got to 26 last month, and I was trying to get to 28 so that I could beat the record, but I didn't. Okay. So, all right, so in a 30-day month, you read 26 books. Mm-hmm. Now, when I say books... Um, we're not talking a little 150-page uh, book, a little a little thumb-turner. What's the average size book you read, Kendall? Probably four to 600, uh, but it, ha- it can go over than that. I have never read a book that's longer than 800. I've checked out ones with over 1,000, but I never get to them because they're scary. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I usually won't count it for my, like, record from I keep a little I keep a list of everyone that I read each month so I can calculate how many I've read by the end of the year. But I usually won't like really count it unless it has over 200 pages. So because of but if it if I read multiple ones that are shorter, I'll add them up to the average so then they count as one book. All right. So you also have one of the things I've noticed that you've done over the last couple of years yeah, you mentioned notebooks. You've, you've also started keeping a variety of notebooks and making different lists and things. What is it about list making and things when it comes to your books or uh, pop culture or things along those mm-hmm. lines? What is it about? What is it about list making that has helped you move forward? Well, uh, like I said, with brain fog and UBS, it really messes with your memory because, I mean, it's a commonly known thing about psychology that your brain shuts out trauma and makes you forget things. It worsens your memory. Mm-hmm. And with that long in the hospital and everything that I went through, it made my memory so much worse and it already was not great. So I would, I started carrying notebooks with me everywhere. And if I needed to remember something, I always wrote it down. And it kind of went from being a necessity to being something that I genuinely found really fun. So I would create notebooks for, like, everything, for every different, like, media that I liked. Uh, I had one for shows and movies and animes. I have one for books. I have one for music. And it just makes it easier because it's kind of like recording it and I can go back and look at it. And it's like, I did this. I think it's kind of the same type of satisfaction people get when they finish a piece of art. Okay. Now, you mentioned on something in there that I wanted to ask you about because we've talked about this before. But, you know, you, you just talked about how your brain, when going through a traumatic experience, our, our, our brains can kind of shut those things out. Whether it's a suppressed or repressed memory or, or anything along those lines, our, our brain kind of, you know, uh, puts up that, that block wall there for us. How do you think that having, because you've talked about many times that you don't remember a lot of the things that happened while you were in the hospital. Mm -hmm. How do you think that has helped you? I mean, it does make it a little bit easier because it, I don't want to remember a lot of those things. It wasn't a good time. It wasn't something I, I mean, there were good memories with nurses and things I had fun with, but for the most part, it sucked. So I don't, I mean it's easier to not remember that than to remember it. But I also feel like 
it kind of almost makes it worse sometimes when you can't remember it because you're like, okay, what, what happened to me? Like, what did I go through? So you have to find a balance between I'm glad that I don't remember this because I know that it's something that would make, like, w- that would weigh on me. And not being able to remember it, you have to kind of master the panic that washes over you. Okay. So we're 15 now. You were 12. Moving forward, where do you see yourself going from here? Like, What's your plan of attack moving forward? Like for life in general? Or sure. Just, um, <laughs> well, more books. <laughs> I want to... So I have to do a five-year plan because I can't do school as readily as some people can. So I have to, I'll graduate in five years instead of four. And then my goal is basically I want to do the program where you get do a couple years of co- like college readiness in high school so you can graduate with an associate's degree. And I want to be able to do that. And then I want to be able to go to college for English literature or and become like a professor or a librarian or something booky. Something booky. Not surprised. <laughs> no, you shouldn't be. <laughs> so, uh, when we, and I'm just going to touch on this real quickly because every time we talk about books, we have to mention her bedroom. <laughs> so, how many bookshelves do you have currently, Kendall? Five. <laughs> how many of them are full, Kendall? Four and a half. Four and a half. Wait, no. Five. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm <laughs> pretty sure it's closer to a full number. So, um, what, what are you hoping to add to those bookshelves? Like books in specific or? Sure. Is there, is there a book like the white whale out there that you, that you <laughs> want to add to your shelf? I want more Brandon Sanderson books. Okay. Because his books are really cool and he's very famous. Like I'm pre- most people who don't read know who Brandon Sanderson is. And I really want to be able to read his books, but they're like high, high fantasy. So it's very confusing and there's just a lot of information in them. But there's this one specifically called Mistborn. It's a, one of his shorter series and one of the easier to understand ones from what I've heard. So I really want to get that one, but it's really hard to find. <laughs> okay. All right. So Kendall, on Focus on Forward, I have a tradition with every guest that's ever been here. Okay. And so you're going to be the last guest to get these following two questions. Okay. Suspicious. Don't be suspicious. This is my suspicious, suspicious face. Yeah. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. <laughs> I knew don't be suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So looking back over the entirety of your experience so far in life, mm-hmm. what is the greatest lesson that you have learned? Uh, <laughs> don't take the little things for granted. There's a lot of stuff. I mean, I am like to believe that I'm generally a decently okay at being positive person. That made no sense. But anyways, um, but I get to the, sometimes I get in like a mood and I just think about all of the things that I can't do anymore that I miss, like, um, being able to go swimming every summer and go see your friends whenever you want and not have to like really plan ahead to go do something and, or just like little things like, um, I'm trying to think, sorry. Uh, like being able, this is kind of a little bit TMI, but being able to shower every day, like that, I can't do that because I get so tired and on most days I'm just, I can't get up. Like I can't do right. that. I can't stand up and stand still for that long. So it's just, if I could go back and see like 
eight-year-old me, I just would be like, you need to learn how to, I mean, she's a kid, she probably doesn't care, but I, you need to learn how to appreciate all of the things in life that you won't be able to do in a few years, because then you'll have more memories of them, which might make it harder, but it all, because you'll have more to think about of what you've lost, but it also makes it more, you have more to reminisce on, you have more to think about. Okay. That's a good answer. All right. Now, the second question, very similar to the first. Looking back over the entirety of your experience, what's the single greatest piece of advice that you've been given? Bold of you to assume I remember anything from the last four years. <laughs> um, one of my nurses was... I mean, I was, there were a couple nurses I was pretty close to and that I honestly mm-hmm. do miss. Like, they're the, pretty much the only part of that whole experience that I actually miss. And I remember I would get into these days where I just, not only could I was in so much pain, like, and paralyzed that I just didn't, couldn't get up, I didn't want to. I didn't want to do anything. I get so stuck in my head and I would be like, have this domino train of thoughts where one thought would smack into another and another and another and another and it would just be a spiral. But I had this one nurse who would, like, kind of walk me through it and just be like, who was basically the one who told me to appreciate the little things because there were still things that I could enjoy. And if I only, if I or you or whoever only focus on all of the things that you can't do, you're going to continue into that spiral until you lose yourself. Okay. All right. That's good. So we've had a, a heck of a journey over the last three years. We've had some highs, we've had some lows, and more and, lows. And then we thought where that that low had kind of plateaued, and, and then we found the basement to the lows on a couple of things. But uh, I think it's important for for the, our listeners to know um, because even though uh, this is your first time on microphone with us, mm-hmm. you've been very much a, a very large part of this journey for I'm basically me. Basically, a celebrity. <laughs> and that's where the show went off the rails. <laughs> But you've been a very large part of this show, uh, you know, been discussed at many different times because of different stories, Mm -hmm. uh, things that people have gone through. So as a person who has gone through things, what's one parting piece of advice that you would like to give people for them to be able to move forward with their lives? I'm basically just repeating the same piece of advice over and over again, and it's like changing it just a little bit. But you have to find the new thing that makes you happy. Because a lot of the time, almost every, like, kid that I've met... I mean, this is advice for everyone, but specifically teenagers and kids who are coming out of, like, their first surgery or health issues. If you start focusing on all of the things that you can't do anymore, you spiral and spiral and spiral and spiral and then you lose yourself because you just become this, like human ball of negativity and garbage and you have to find the new thing that makes you happy so if if you have to go through a hundred different hobbies and a hundred different activities and things and you to find the new thing it's worth it because it gives you kind of a new purpose a new way to be like i want to wake up today because i want to do this all right very good well guys Typically, I try to end on a high note and tell you guys thank you for listening and and all those things, but it still holds very true. For three years, you've listened to our stories, 
Thank you for being a part of the family of Focused on Forward. And by listening, thank you for being part of my family. Thank you for listening to the stories that we've told about Kendall and her progress over the years. And as you can hear, uh, she has developed into quite a young lady from my own estimation. But I'm a little biased. estrogen. I'm a little biased. (laughs) Because I'm you with estrogen. There is that. (laughs) All right, guys. But thank you. And um, if you're looking for advice of of shows that you can go follow that have the same uh, storyline as what we're doing here, please feel free to message me at Focused on Forward. And uh, I'll be happy to pass on some suggestions uh, for other shows that you can listen to. But this is going to be the conclusion for Focused on Forward, the series finale. Thanks for listening and have a good day. Well, that concludes another episode of Focused on Forward. To be a guest of Focused on Forward, you can reach us through Twitter at PodcastFOF, through our Facebook page named Focused on Forward, or through email focusedonforward at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing each and every one of your stories that has yet to be told. So until then, be safe, be kind, and be loving to one another as you stay focused on forward.